Thank you, Val, for helping share the Word of God. And thank you, children of God. You're not running very fast. That's okay. You don't need to run. You can walk. You are loved in Christ. And that is what matters most. And that is what we're happy to share. Now, I was ready to get up and run myself, but I'm happy, actually, in this all to not have to run at all. Thanks, Val, for this word. Now, hearers of this word of God, in Jesus Christ, you are set free. You are free because Jesus has the word of eternal life for you, which is none other than this word, that he takes away the sin of your idols. For as Paul preaches, sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but you are under grace. And now no matter what your name is, no matter how you feel this morning, no matter what you have done, or left undone, no matter how you identify yourself or your accomplishments, you are no longer under the law, but under grace. You are no longer condemned to success or failure, for now you are under grace. So the grace and peace of God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ be yours. Amen. Well, we are gathered together here on the fifth Sunday after the day of Pentecost. This is the description of the day today. You maybe hadn't heard that advertised very much this week. You maybe, uh, even you who have been rousted out of your summer slumbers these first few days of July, you're perhaps thinking more about the 4th of July than the fifth Sunday after Pentecost. And of course, the 4th of July is a favorite holiday for many, and there are many great festivities that accompany it. We celebrate independence and freedom in the United States all the way back to 1776 for a very good reason, because this country has uniquely contributed to the political freedom of many and at the cost of many. And so for part of our daily bread, we pray for and give thanks for good government. And I want you to know that I also enjoy the 4th of July holiday. For many years, my family has gathered together with our extended family at the lake cabin for swimming and fishing, for uh, grilling and sunburns, and of course, fireworks. But on this day, now today, the fifth Sunday after Pentecost, I have a much better message for you than the one that says you are in the land of the free. We have a better word. In fact, even in the midst of our political freedom, freedoms which we, of course, value and are called to protect for the sake of our neighbors, even in the midst of these, we have an even better word to share. That is why you are here this morning, a word that will outlast this great nation and any of our accomplishments and our failures. This word, of course, is the word of Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, now it comes right to you. But if you've been here the last couple of weeks hearing the gospel, you might wonder about this word. As we've heard from the ninth and 10th chapters of Matthew, you might wonder how, at least on the surface, this word could be good. For two weeks ago, Jesus said that on account of the preaching of his gospel, brother will betray brother, father his child, children against parents. And then last week, Jesus says that he came not to bring peace to the earth, but a sword. You might wonder where the good in this word is that we're gathered around but here in Matthew 10, as we've heard this morning, Jesus 
is preparing his disciples to go out to preach. He is recognizing that our human hearts, as Luther observed in the large catechism, are factories of idols. That the very people the disciples were going out to share this word with would already have things in their hearts that they were trusting above anything else for their peace, for their justice. Sometimes they were possessions, the things that they trusted. Sometimes perhaps their life experience, sometimes even family. So Jesus gives this word of warning. And he says that when the gospel takes its place in the heart of those who are given faith, then there is nothing that can come before it. There is nothing that can come before this gospel. And for those of us who are clinging tightly to wherever it is we think we can find our ultimate freedom outside of Jesus, that word will put to death all of our false hopes and dreams, all of our sins. And this does not, at least at first, sound like peace on earth. It sounds like struggle, loss of the things I hold dearly. It is death, in fact. But then it is new life. This is how Jesus works. This is how the gospel works. For Christ also recognizes that true peace now only comes where he can take away all of the sin of the world, where his word is preached in law and gospel, and where the sacraments are given. So here, now in trust of this word of Jesus, there is peace for you. And so after the warnings of the last two weeks, this week in Matthew 10, we hear Jesus reassure his future preachers that they are not merely salesmen of the word, trying to convince others of what is true with a picture or a story or a representation. No, Jesus says they are wielding the real deal, the sword of God's word itself. And as they go out and share this news, it will do something. And this is the amazing truth of what God accomplishes as we gather even today, this morning, around this word, that it is operating on you as you hear it. It's not just a proposition. It's not just an allegory shared to convince you to do better. And while many of us might hope for such a chance, it is actually too late for that. But now Jesus says to his disciples, whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. And this isn't just a word about being welcoming. It's actually a description of the authority of the word preached. That is to say that when the word of God goes out, it accomplishes something. Jesus says it more directly. He says, whoever welcomes a prophet or a preacher in the preacher's name will receive a preacher's reward. Now, we heard about a reward already. It's not for a race that you run or win. But God's word is going out, and it accomplishes something. It gives you a reward, better yet, a promise, which both puts to death the old Adam and the old Eve in you, the old sinner who is still trying to cling to all sorts of hopes, but they will not be your peace. Instead, this word gives to you this peace in the only way that it can land is the forgiveness of your sins as the end of the old and the birth of the new. And here is the true prophet's or preacher's reward. It is yours. It is salvation. Now, that's not to say that hopes and dreams are bad things. We all have them, even your preacher. Now, 
Having moved to Sioux Falls recently from Rochester, uh, my family has wondered, uh, as we were thinking about moving here, will there be a quick trip gas station in South Dakota? And uh, last fall, as we were thinking about this, I could say, well, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think there will be. Uh, but we have learned, of course, uh, that there will be, well, they're called quick stars now here. And the first ones are being built here in Sioux Falls uh, and in Brandon. And this may mean very little to you unless you are, live, have lived a little closer to Wisconsin, the home of Quick Trip, uh, probably the best gas station. Uh, well, I don't know. I won't give free advertising here. <laughs> but, but you can anticipate this and judge for yourself. One thing about Quick Trip that I am enjoying right now is that they have a drawing, a scratch-off game in their little app that, of course, I have for a, a new pontoon. And... <laughs> I have been playing this, this scratch-off game uh, almost every day. Uh, it's free of charge, of course. They just want to know that you're interested in their products. Uh, and I'm looking forward in August to the drawing uh, when this new Bennington pontoon uh, will be awarded. It sounds like and looks like a beautiful award, especially in the heat of summer, to go out on your new pontoon. Now, I, I mentioned that we would go to the lake often for the 4th of July. We won't this year. But often we'd also go out in our boat, which is a 1977 StarCraft, beautiful old boat, and it does run pretty well. But uh, some days, well, there's a little rot here and there. There are things that need uh, fixing, as, as is the case with boats. Uh, so a new pontoon sounds like a pretty good reward. It is something I hope for, dream of. Uh, and I'll confess even a little more that not only have I entered a contest for a pontoon, but also for a new Cessna 170, uh, <laughs> which, which would be an even better dream, uh, let me tell you. Uh, we, we all have hopes and dreams, don't we? Uh, but they are not our peace. And if you've ever owned a boat or an airplane or anything that requires maintenance, you know that, well, what do they actually bring? Uh, bills. Uh, and anxiety, well, and fun as well, but, uh, well, they, they, uh, they need maintenance, and they need work. But hopes and dreams God will use in your life for you to serve your neighbor, finally. I want to tell you about another hope and dream that the people of Israel had. We heard about it in the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah, a very sliver, small sliver of the story for the prophet Jeremiah had an adversary, a competing prophet, Hananiah, and Jeremiah was preaching to the people while the Babylonians had come and taken things away from Jerusalem, and there were Jews in exile in Babylon, kept there against their will by King Nebuchadnezzar. This does not sound like freedom or liberty. And so the prophet Hananiah came along and said, I have got a word from God. Within two years, all of the things that the Babylonians stole will be back in Jerusalem, and there will be freedom this was contrary to Jeremiah's word, which said, no, you must serve Nebuchadnezzar for a while. This is God's will, as strange as that sounds. Jeremiah said to Hananiah, your word sounds good, but I'm not sure it's true. We'll know in a couple years if there's peace, if your word is true, and if not, well, then you have lied to the people. And indeed, Hananiah did not have a word from God. The things that of the temple did not go back to Jerusalem in two years, and Hananiah died as a result of this. 
But Jeremiah's word, which was of the Lord, was that this is God's will, that you remain in captivity for a while, so that my will may be done, which is finally that you will trust my word above anyone else. And that sets the stage for the coming of Christ. What a strange word. The hopes and the dreams of the people of Israel were to be free, yet it was not God's will at that time. They would eventually be freed in Christ, of course. And now this is God's word for you as well. I have dreams of pontoons and airplanes, but these will not be my freedom either. But you do have a word given to you. So now regardless of what your hopes and dreams are, regardless of what your idols are, we all have them, Christ comes to give you a lasting reward, not because you deserve it, but because you do not. He comes with an eternal promise and true freedom from sin, death, and the devil. There is no gas station scratch-off for this. There's no drawing for this reward. Not even the most important work in Washington, D.C. can accomplish this for you, but it has already been done on the cross. So as you gather now, however you do this week, as you perhaps watch fireworks on Tuesday, I want you to hear that Christ has accomplished freedom and more for you. Not so that you may be independent in the law, but so that you may be his slave in grace. A slave of his righteousness, as Paul says, which is the most beautiful thing you could be. God makes you this in Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is now yours. First in your baptism, and then as you hear his word, and shortly once again in this service, it will be given to you as, as you receive the Lord's Supper. You are no longer under the law, but now you are under the grace of Christ. May the festivities in this truth begin. Amen.